0: Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
1: I invite you to stand with me as we sing ourselves in a call to worship, and worship because this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? Let's sing and praise Him with it. Ready, (laughs) this is the day This is the day this is the day that the lord that was a warm-up now let's sing it out here we go this is the day this is the day this is the day that the lord has made that the lord has made we will rejoice we will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it yes this is the day that the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it this is the day this is the day that the lord has made on this home country sunday we celebrate belonging to the greatest family of all that's the family of god amen and it's all because of the victory that we have in Jesus. So we're going to do a little medley here. Begin with the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain and cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this summer. I'm part of the family, the family of God. I heard an old, old story, how the Savior came from glory, and he gave me life on Calvary to save a precious blood atoning then I repented of my sin and I won the victory Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Well, I heard about a mansion He has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing. some sweet day i'll sing up there the song Give the Lord a hand this morning for that cleansing blood. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please.
2: Good morning, Brinesburg. What a wonderful... Sing it with a joy, smile on your face
1: as we sing it together. Since Jesus came into my heart. Here we go. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have light in my soul for which long I have sought. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, the joy for my soul like the sea billows since jesus came into my heart i'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since jesus came into my heart and those that are uh, the doubt my way, my way obscure since jesus came into to joy or my soul like the sea billows roll. since jesus came into my heart i shall go there to dwell in that city i know since jesus came into my heart and i'm happy so happy as onward i go since jesus came into my heart good breath now since jesus came into my heart since jesus came into my heart my heart. Thank you.
2: Amen. That's some good singing this morning. What a wonderful time we've had in worship already and uh, here in a moment uh, we're going to hear from heaven's sakes uh, again uh, and we're excited about hearing from them but then uh, brother Don Mathis uh, is going to be with us this morning and I appreciate Brother Don so much. He is such an encourager to pastors uh, around our state, been a pastor of many of our churches throughout the state, uh, but now is doing evangelism. And I just appreciate him so much and what he has meant to the Kentucky Baptist Convention over the years and his leadership as president twice. And uh, we uh, appreciate him uh, being with us this morning. I know he's going to bring a word that's going to challenge you uh, and it's going to encourage you. And so uh, I, I hope that you'll be in prayer for him as he gets ready to come. Uh, after our special music this morning. Uh, Again, I recognize that as we come together this morning, there are many needs uh, in each and every one of our hearts. And here in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity. And if uh, the Lord has has led you to, I want you to know this altar will be open. If you just need to make an altar there at the pew where you're sitting or or wherever you may be in your home, uh, worshiping with us this morning, uh, perhaps you're one of those who got a diagnosis that's pretty tough this week. Perhaps you're one of those that Uh, You just know that you've got a loved one that's lost, and you need to pray for them. Maybe something going on in in your family you just want to lift up. Uh, Maybe it's your husband or your wife, your son, your daughter, your grandchild, your your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Just a need on your heart that you know you need to give over to the Lord. Uh, We want you to know there's no better time to give that over to Him than now. And just let Him have it. And don't try to take it up again and take it home with you. It's, It's too heavy a burden. Leave it with Him and trust Him with it, knowing that He will take care of you. He'll lead you through it. And so this morning with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, I want you to know this altar is open. Whatever the need may be, let's spend some time in prayer together. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we are so very thankful for the opportunity to come and to worship. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to, to sing and and to hear your word proclaimed, but Lord, we are so thankful as well for the opportunity to come and to pray, and to know that you hear us. Lord, to know that as we pray that we have access to the Holy of Holies, to your throne, and that Lord, not only do you hear our prayers, but Lord, that you react to them. Lord, you come to our aid, you come to our side, you comfort us. Lord, you, you, you bring about resolutions and and solutions to the issues of our lives that seem like they're so daunting and and, and it seems like there couldn't be an answer. But Lord, you bring those answers. Lord, you bring peace. And so, Lord, this morning, whatever it may be that we're facing, will we lay it down at the foot of the cross? And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would trust you enough to leave it there, to trust you with it completely. Lord, again, I know that Several have told me this morning that there's some pretty serious health issues that they're facing right now, and we lift them up, and we recognize that you are the great physician. You're the one who has the healing touch, and so, Lord, if it be your will, Lord, we pray that you would just bring miraculous healing that would call, cause uh, medical professionals to say, wow, this is just a God thing. God intervened in a special way here. Lord, for others, we recognize there's issues going on within families, struggles that Many of us don't know about. They're kind of behind the closed doors. But Lord, you know what families are going through. And so Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for those facing financial hardships right now. Lord, we pray uh, for, for those that are uh, just, just hurting in a variety of different ways. And it's hard to even express today. But most importantly, again, Lord, we pray, we pray for the lost. And Lord, if there's one right now, and they recognize that they're being prayed for because they know they're lost. I pray that you'd convict them even now and help them to recognize that you love them. Help them to recognize that they cannot clean themselves up before they come to you. Lord, that they have to come just as they are. And that, Lord, you'll do the cleaning. You'll do the changing. Lord, you'll do the the complete uh, transformation in their life that only you can bring. And so, Lord, today, again, I pray for Brother Don. And I pray that you would just speak through him in a special way. And if there's even one here or listening today that is lost, Lord, I pray that they might be saved before our, our time together is over. Lord, we love you. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>
3: you're hurting your heart needs healing come let me dry your eyes i know you're feeling like the sun will never shine again like the pain inside will never end sometimes it takes a little faith to mend we are Try by fire To shine like gold We are shattered To free the diamonds in our soul We are broken To be whole. Love let you fall You're in pieces, your thoughts are scattered. What are the reasons? Oh, the time.
4: Sometimes he has to do that to us to get our attention, you know. I'm, a, I'm kind of a walking testimony to that. Uh, this next song we want to do for you is a brand new song. Uh, you hadn't heard it out. If you want to hear it, you'll have to get us to sing it for you. <laughs> Can't go by it nowhere. This is it. But I love what the song, first time I heard it, I thought, we got to sing this song. It was sent to us by Gene Ezell. He's a professor down in uh, Nashville. So I want y'all to listen to the listen to this very closely. <laughs>
3: I was part of his plan before time began. And though I was living just like a prodigal, he showed me a love I never knew was possible. He loved me first before I knew I needed a Savior like him. He loved me first. Powerful love that is greater than sin. From heaven to earth, with a love undeserved.
0: Today, you'll be listening to the message preached at Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
4: Amen, amen. Thank you for heaven's sakes. Yesterday, my best friend and I were talking and he had noticed somewhere that you guys were to be here to sing today before I preach it. He said, you'll like them. They're good. And he was right on both counts. Thank you for blessing us of the Lord. You sing with quality, but mostly I'm glad that you sing about Jesus. I'm glad to be at Brinesburg. By the way, I have been through a bit of what you have been through. I don't talk about it much because uh, for a number of months thereafter, I noticed my revival invitations had decreased And then finally guys would call and say, are you able to preach again? Well, I missed one Sunday of preaching. And when it happened, suddenly my words, when I was preaching, my words became incoherent. And I missed one Sunday preaching. However, I do have one disappointment. I can't sing like you do. Of course, I couldn't before that happened either, but... uh, I've been looking forward if and when it comes my way. Good to be at Brinesburg Baptist Church again. I have been here a number of times before. I was here with Brother C.C. C. Brazier in 1999. I was back with Brother Brad in 2013, and then preached for you a couple of times in 2017. So I feel at home at Brinesburg Baptist Church. Back in those days when I was here the first time, I had just walked away from Lifeway Christian Resources where I was director of leadership. Frankly, I was making the most money I'd ever made in my life. And I'd always told the Lord that I would like to preach revivals back to back to back. And he took me seriously. And he called me to do that and I thought, I'll starve to death. Well, you were very generous. I remember that. And I remember that we had a good revival the first time, the second time. And I'm glad to be here again. I'm going to tell you what I told you the first time. I was living in Tennessee at the time, and I got introduced all kinds of ways. Dr. Mathis, an evangelist from Tennessee, and and I thought, these folks don't know me. So I began to tell folks, there are only three things you need to know about me. First of all, I answer best to Brother Don. Secondly, in spite of the fact that I'm a Baptist preacher, I do not eat chicken. I'm not allergic to it. I just don't like the sticking stuff. And number three, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I am a Kentuckian. Well, I was preaching in a meeting down in Alabama. A lady said, Kentucky? Tennessee, what difference does it make? Well, I knew she was not from Kentucky. (laughs) I said, ma'am, there's a difference. A Kentuckian and a Tennessean were traveling together the other day, stopped in and went to a grocery store. The Kentuckian said, I want some maters, taters, and onions. And the lady said, you're from Kentucky, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. How do you know? She said, it's your accent. Well, as they went back to the car, the tenant began to laugh at him. As they drove down the highway, they argued about which one talked the worst. The Kentuckian said, you talk just as bad as I do. He said, no, I don't. I'll prove it to you. Well, they wheeled in a parking lot. They went in together. The Tennessean said, I want some tomatoes, potatoes and onions. The man said, you're from Tennessee, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. How did you know it? He said, this is a furniture store. (laughs) So we Kentuckians may talk funny, but we usually know where we are, right? And I definitely know where I am today. In fact, we came in the back way today. My wife is with me today. She was not before. She said, are you sure you know where you're going? I said, just hang with me. I may make one or two bad turns, but I'll get there. And I'm glad to be at Brinesburg Baptist Church. This morning, we're celebrating homecoming. I feel led of the Lord to talk about our homegoing. So turn with me to John chapter 14. I'll begin with verse number 1. I feel led of the Lord to talk with us from a very familiar passage on the subject that everybody ought to talk more about. I want to talk about heaven. John chapter 14. Jesus said, now I want you to, I want to repeat that. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The scene is the upper room. They have met there to observe the last official Passover. From the time of Exodus from Egypt until this occasion, the greatest event that had ever happened in all of human history, was God delivering his people from the bondage of Egypt. Now, we don't observe Passover anymore. It's okay to to observe it ceremonially, but it's not the most important event ever again. The most important thing that ever happened was that Jesus loved you, and he came into this world to die for you and me. They placed him in the ground, but on the first day of the week, he conquered Satan's sin and the grave. So we observe Lord's Supper to remember the shed blood of Jesus and His giving His body that we might be saved from our sin. And there in the upper room, they observe Passover, but when they come to the end of that meal, He institutes the Lord's Supper. By the way, there in this setting, He talks to them about how to be happy. You'll find that in chapter 13. And then in chapters 14 through 16, as he talks with them about the fact that he's leaving, he says, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit. I am God, Holy Spirit is God, second person of the triune God. He's coming, and whatever you face, wherever you are, because you know me, he lives in you, and you will never be alone ever, ever again. And then he talks with them about where he's going. I mean, they're greatly concerned when he begins to talk about his death. Simon Peter said, no, you're not going to die. I will defeat anybody who comes against you. But he turned out to be a coward, just like we often do. And I'm so glad Thomas, who's called Doubting Thomas, I wish that other passage were not there. But here, he asked the question we wish we could ask of Jesus face to face. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then he talks to them about heaven. First of all, notice with me the reality of heaven. Notice there in verses two and three. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Bible, I have that circled. That's an important word. Then notice again in verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for For you, heaven is a place. How many of you believe that there is a Benton, Kentucky? You say you're out of your mind, preacher. Okay, play along with me. How many of you have ever been to Benton, Kentucky? How many of you believe there is a Paducah, Kentucky? How many of you have been to Paducah, Kentucky? How many of you believe there is a Paris, France? How many of you have been to Paris, France? Okay, some of you. How many of you believe there is a London, England? How many of you have been to London, England? I have been to neither one of those last two places. But I believe there is a Paris, France. And I believe there is a London, England. Why? Because I have seen it on a map. And because those of you who have been there tell me that there is a Paris, France and there is a London, England. Now, how do I know there is a heaven? I have seen it in the map. And one who came down from there and went back there, and by the way, I believe you. But I believe him a whole lot more than I believe you. The one who tells me there is a heaven, his name is Jesus. And he saved me from my sin. He gives me purpose in life. He meets my needs. He is my best friend. He is my savior. I believe everything he says. And therefore, I know that heaven is a real place. It is a place beyond description, but I'll try. It's a big place. The Bible tells us that it's 1,200 furlongs wide, 1,200 furlongs long, and 1,200 furlongs high. Well, how high is that? How long is that? It's 15,000 miles. Heaven's a big place. That's the approximate distance from Maine to Miami from the Mississippi River to Los Angeles. That's how big heaven is. And it's also four squared, therefore it is the same height with various levels. In other words, it's a big place. You say, I don't know whether I want to go to a big place like that or not. But consider that Jesus, your best friend, is there waiting for you. He's prepared it for you in my Father's house By the way, that's the only expression you need to read to know it's a wonderful place in my Father's house. You say, all of those people? Well, what if if you know everybody that's there and you like them and they like you? Not only that, they love you. And above all, Jesus loves you. He's prepared prepared a wonderful place and it's gigantic. Some of my friends, Brother Brad, believe that uh, only a few elect can go there then Jesus was the worst architect there's ever been. To build a place that gigantic, I can say to you, whosoever will may come. If you'll come to Jesus, he'll save you, give you the only life worth living now, and take you to heaven when you die. It is a big place. It is a beautiful place. Do you know how the New Testament describes heaven? Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I have performed about 650 weddings. I have never seen an ugly bride. Only one or two narrow escapes. (laughs) I mean, I think the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on this earth was my wife. I preached at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, married one of my church members, and we got married at three o'clock in the afternoon. How stupid can a man be? (laughs) By the way, some of you wish you'd preached to your wife a couple of years too, right? It it, did not do any good. Anyway, anyway, and the only one that rivals that in my mind is the day I escorted my one and only beloved daughter down the aisle to marry a young man that was not near worthy of her, but brides are beautiful. I think God could not find a better expression to describe what heaven looks like than a bride adorned for her husband. And there's some things that will not be there, by the way. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. I don't like death. I'm glad Jesus conquered it. Neither sorrow, you'll never be sad, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. And those of you who have any age at all on you, you can't wiggle like this without feeling a pain. I mean, it's a part of the reality, and sometimes it's just so severe, you think I can't make it through it, won't be any pain there, and I'm glad about that, for the former things are passed away, and then there's an expression, in Revelation 21, 4, that Brother Brad, for a long time, I thought, "Uh, what does that have to do with me, it says there will be no more sea, I've never lived on the ocean, no more sea? Remember where John was. John was on the Isle of Patmos, a little bitty island out in the middle of the of Aegean Sea, surrounded by criminals. He'd been pastor tradition says for 25 years of the Brandsburg Baptist Church in Ephesus. And here he is separated from the people of God. Separated for doing what? For preaching the gospel. Herod would have liked to kill him, but he was afraid to because of the Christians might rebel. So he sentenced him to the Isle of Patmos, and I expect that old man probably 85, 90 years of age. By the way, God opened up heaven and gave him the book of Revelation while he was out there. His life was not over. By the way, don't you quit too quick. But I'm sure that old man walked out to the edge of the Aegean Sea and looked as far as his eyes would carry him back toward Ephesus, he probably thought, I'll swim it. Well, he couldn't swim it. Probably thought, I'll build a boat. Well, he couldn't build a boat. Why did God say no more sea? Because God wanted to tell John and you and me that you'll never be separated from your loved ones in Christ ever again. That loved one you've said goodbye to, and you know as well as one person can know of another that he or she died knowing Jesus, they're waiting for you. In heaven. By the way, if you're not saved, why are you waiting to get saved? I know that you want to be ready to go to heaven. I know you do. And besides that, when you come to Jesus, not only will He take you to heaven, but you will discover so much more of the abundant life and he'll give you a life worth living, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and he'll help you to deal with guilt, he'll help you to deal with defeat, he'll help you to deal with anything, sickness, sorrow, death, of somebody else you love, or of you, he'll be there. I get asked three questions about uh, heaven most of the time. The most often asked question is, will we know each other in heaven? Of course we will know each other in heaven. It says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Did you notice that? We shall be like him. After the resurrection, when he appeared in the upper room, you read again carefully from John, John's gospel. Did any of those guys look at one another and say, Who is that? Who is that? Of course not. They knew Jesus. You remember one of them was not there. Thomas was not there. And he said, unless I can see him for myself, unless I can put my fingers in his hands and inside, I will not believe. But when he showed, by the way, what was his problem? His problem was when they met that Sunday night, they weren't, he wasn't there. You miss on a Sunday night or Wednesday night or Sunday morning, you'll miss a blessing. You need to be here. And his big problem was he wasn't there, right? So you be here. But when Jesus showed up the next Sunday night, there is no record that he put his finger into his hands. or in his son- What did he say? He said, my Lord and my God. In other words, he immediately knew who Jesus was. We're going to be like him. We will know one another. You remember also that Jesus took Peter, James, and John upon the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah showed up. Moses had been dead for 1,600 years. Elijah had been gone for 900 years. But read it again. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus did not say, Moses and Elijah, this is Peter, James, and John. He never said to one of those three, this is Moses and Elijah. They immediately knew who they were. We not only will know one another, we will know people that we did not know down here. And know them intimately as the best of friends in Jesus. And besides that, Paul said, you look up those stars up there. The astronomers can tell you those stars have personalities. They're individual. And as those stars are, so shall you be in heaven. In other words, you will know one another, you'll retain your personality. Now some of the bad stuff in us will be burned out by the Christian judgment, but the good stuff will stay. And we will know one another in heaven. Secondly, I get asked the question, Brother Don, how old will we be in heaven? Now buckle your pew belts, I'm gonna tell you. You will be 33. You say, how do you know that? How old was Jesus when he went back to heaven? 33. It says we shall be like him. I take this Bible for literally. I believe we'll be 33 years of age. I was that once I look forward to being that again. Question number three. When do we go to heaven? We go to heaven either when he comes back or by, and I'm assuming you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, come on down here, let's talk about that. At the very moment of death, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now I realize there are those well-meaning, good-intending people who sincerely believe and sincerely teach that when the Christian dies that the soul goes to sleep with the body and sleeps with the body until Jesus comes back for the resurrection. Then he'll raise the body, wake up the soul, and take us to be with heaven, to which I use that Greek word baloney. That is not what the New Testament teaches you. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now we ought to visit the cemetery, but I want to tell you your loved one is not out there in the ground. From the moment of death, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Heaven is a place. I'm on my way there. If you're not on your way there, let's get that settled this morning. Now, secondly, I want to talk about the reason for heaven. Notice there in verse three, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I want you to notice some pronouns there. First of all, there are six verses that I've read. There are seven pronouns. I is very personal. And then notice the pronoun you. It's a singular. You can be singular or plural, it's singular in the Greek. In other words, he's saying very, very personally, I and you. That's the reason for heaven. When you fall in love with somebody, marriage is the classic illustration. When you fall in love with somebody, you want her or him with you for the rest of your life. I already mentioned that I've married one of my church members. I went there as a single pastor, looked out from the pulpit, and She took my breath away. It did not take me long to discover she was as beautiful on the inside as on the outside. And I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. That's what love does. Jesus looked down the portals of eternity and he says of you, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. For God so loved the world. That's not the stars, or the mountains, and the street. That's you and me. And because he loves us, he wants us to be with him forever. You say, that sounds too good to be true. Well, the good news is it is true. And he loves you that much. And when you consider what God has done to arrange heaven for you, you see, God the Father, if you're not saved, God the Father has kept you from having a car wreck or having a heart attack or some other way of leaving this earth. He's given you mercy and grace so you could be here this morning. God the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the fact the Spirit is coming. He is one with the Father, He is one with the Son, and He is here today. You look around, you don't see God the Father. You don't see Jesus the Son, but you feel the fact that God, Holy Spirit, is here. Now, if you're not saved, and you don't want God to grab you this morning, why don't you just get up and leave? I prefer you not do that. But if you don't want to be grabbed by Holy Spirit God, that's about all, all the thing you can do to escape in fact is, that won't work either. When you get in the car and start home, as soon as you put your foot on the accelerator, the Holy Spirit will say, you don't need to leave. You need to go back in there and get saved. You see, God has shown his love toward you. Jesus died for you. Holy Spirit is pointing, pointing, pointing to Jesus and inviting you to come to Jesus and be saved and inviting you this morning. He loves you and because he loves you, he's prepared heaven for you. When I was with LifeWay, one particular week, I got up very, very early, living in a suburb of Nashville. Drove to the Nashville airport, got on an airplane, and flew to Memphis, Tennessee, not far. Conducted a meeting that uh, that afternoon. Got on an airplane, flew to Houston, Texas. Conducted a meeting. That afternoon, got on an airplane, flew to Denver, Colorado, conducted a meeting, got on an airplane, flew to Los Angeles, California, landed at LAX airport, had a young preacher boy ready to pick us up, and and he drove us over the mountain to Bakersfield, California. I conducted a meeting, we went back, stayed overnight there, and I conducted a meeting at... uh, First Baptist Church can't think of it in Los Angeles. got on an airplane and flew from there to Portland, Oregon, drove across the river to Vancouver, Washington, conducted a meeting, And the next morning got on an airplane and flew to Detroit, Cincinnati, Nashville, and preached First Baptist Church, Portland, Tennessee. I was in Detroit. Worn out, and I got to watching the airplanes take off and tried to imagine where they were going. And very quickly, I came to the conclusion, conclusion, everybody is going somewhere. I read the other day that the average American, the typical American, drives every week in his automobile 216.7 miles. The average person takes 1,500, 15,000 steps every day. Everybody is going somewhere. So my question to you this morning is, when you get to where you're going, where will you be? You say, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay right here. I got bad news. You're going somewhere. You can't stay here. When you get to where you're going, will it be heaven or will it be hell? So let me close by making as clear as I know how to make it the road to heaven. Did you notice what Jesus said there in verse 16? He said, I am the way. Notice that pronoun again. He did not say, I am a way. It's the definite article. I am the way. It's not Mohammed. It's not Confucius. It's not good works. There is no other way. I am the way. He didn't say, I used to be the way. He didn't say, I'm going to be the way. It's present tense. I am the way. Now I knew how to get to Brinesburg, but suppose I had not known how to get to Brinesburg, I would have punched in whatever the address is on Brinesburg Road, Benton, Kentucky. And I would have followed the GPS, and it would have said something like this to me. Go out to St. Edward's Court, turn on Raquel Drive, in a few feet turn on Fairview Avenue, go to Adam Street turns left, then turn on Alumni Avenue and pick up highway 6880. and from there on it was pretty simple, right? pretty simple. Thomas said, how can we know the way? And if I were to bring that up to the 21st century, maybe Jesus would say, let me give you the GPS. God's plan of salvation. Step number one, first signpost. Romans 3.23, it's right there in the Bible. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, look at your neighbor. You're not compared to him. You're not compared to her. You are compared to Jesus. If you were compared to me, you'd, you'd be okay. But you're not compared to me. You are compared to Jesus. And the straight out honest truth is you don't stack up very well. You are a sinner. And you're compared to Jesus. You fall short of his glory. You say, I'm a pretty good person. Compared to who? Not compared to Jesus. Signpost number one. All have sinned. You're a sinner. Signpost number two. That's a problem because it says in Romans 6.23 that the wages, the payment of sin is death. That's not talking about physical death. That wraps it all up, but it's talking about spiritual death. In other words, because of your sin, same was true of me, because of your sin, it separates you from God. Now, if I quit right there, what a depressing statement I would have made I'm not going to quit right there. Right in the middle of that verse, it turns the corner. The last part of Romans 6, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, what you deserve. I mean, i just be bluntly honest. What you deserve is eternal death. I point to me too. But what Jesus wants to give to you is eternal life. It is the gift of God. You say, wait a minute, Brother Dot. Everything that's good, somebody's got to pay for it. Well, next signpost. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. But God commended his love toward us, showed his love toward us, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. In other words, who paid for your salvation? Jesus did. When he said on the cross, it is finished. He was saying to you, I have paid for your salvation if you will receive it. While we were yet sinners. You say, well, how do I receive it? Well, next signpost. Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you shall be saved. You say, Brother God. I believe there's a God. Well, that's congratulations, but that won't take you to heaven. You say, I'm trying to make it. Well, that's good to live, right, but that's not going to take you to heaven. Confess with the mouth and believe with the heart. By the way, notice the emphasis on confession. The next verse says, that is, is with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but it is with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. In other words, the confession seals the deal. Now, why do I emphasize that? Why does the scripture emphasize that? That's more important. Why does the scripture emphasize it? Because I know where I am. You could travel all across Marshall County. If you want to go to Callaway, you want to go to uh, McCracken, you want to go the other direction, Livingston, you can travel out here all afternoon and you'd have a difficult time finding 10 people who would tell you they do not believe God raised Jesus from the dead. They all say they believe it. Are they all going to heaven? No, you know they're not. Why? Because many of them, maybe you, have never taken a stand for Jesus. Confess with the mouth. Why? Because you do believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, Jesus made it even clearer in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. He said, If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. You take your stand for me down here, I will stand with you up there. Now let me use a little imagination. You walk down the aisle today to take your stand for Jesus because you do believe he's the Savior and you want him to be your Savior. You say, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Well, don't worry about that. If you get to the front and you can't get it out, Holy Spirit, God, is enough here. If necessary, Brother Brad will guess it. Don't you worry about what you're going to say. But every step you take, you're confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. You trust Jesus today, a little imagination. When you arrive in heaven, Jesus meets you without outstretched scarves, just like he receives you today. And he'll take you and escort you up to the Father. The Father knows everything, and he knows that. But Jesus, in celebration, says, Father, you remember back there, on August the 31st, Bridesburg Baptist Church, when he, she, walked down the aisle to say to all the world that they were trusting me. And say, "You remember?" Of course he does. Celebration occurs in heaven because you took your stand for Jesus. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I don't have much confidence in secret salvation. Now, a couple of guys tried the New Testament, Joseph of Arimathea Nicodemus, but when push came to shove, they, they couldn't keep it silent any longer, and you can't either. And if you've not confessed to him, I'm going to ask you to do that today. I don't know. You're going to put a mask on me right here. He's this big, tall, ugly guy. You'll find him. He'll be right here. No reason for you to stay back there. You, come, you say, well, walking down the aisle will save me. No, but if you come down the aisle because you come to Jesus, Jesus will save you. And I'm asking you to do that today. Now, you say, Brother Don, I've been saved. I need to move my membership. Why don't you do that today? You say, I've been saved, but I've never been biblically baptized. Why not? You pick up any New Testament, and it'll be very clear before you read very long that the very first step of Christian obedience that's a Baptist hymnal. I better not hold that up. But do you look in your Bible, and the very first step of biblical obedience is to follow Jesus, he set the example, in biblical baptism. We'd like to talk about to you about that this morning. Now, let's bow our heads together a moment. And I'm going to ask you to be ready. We're going to sing what we call an invitation to hymn. You know why we call it that? Because that's exactly what it is. It is an invitation. It's not mine, it's not Brother Brad's, it's not primarily Brunsburg Baptist Church, but it's Jesus' invitation. And I'm going to ask you to respond like he wants you to respond this morning. You need to be saved, you come talk to the pastor. Maybe you know how to be saved, you just had not done it yet, you make your way down the aisle, and we'll help you to nail it down. You need to be baptized, we'd like to talk about that. You need to join the church, we'd like to talk with you about that. If you'd like to come and pray for somebody, you do that, come right on, This altar's open here. You do what the Lord wants you to do. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing us here. I thank you that you let me preach one more time. I thank you that you have a divine appointment for somebody hearing me right now. Lord, I don't know who, maybe just words of encouragement, but I pray for somebody who needs to be saved. I pray for somebody who needs to join this great Bible-believing church. Not a perfect people, but you are the perfect Lord of this church. Somebody who needs to be baptized, whatever it is, a life that needs to be rededicated, whatever it is, we're going to give you praise for it in your dear name, the name that's above every name, your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Brother, lead us as we stand together and your brother Brad's right here. You come right on right now. Just now.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m., and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m., with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening and may God bless you and your family.